Good morning. We'll um, we'll we'll take another run at that uh, next time. The the sound quality it wasn't it wasn't particularly worshipful. Uh, anyway, so this uh, we'll we'll fix up the glitches and we'll include a a worship song next week. Uh, that out. Um, we are good morning, and so we'll move to the um, a consideration uh, with studying. The speeches in the book of Acts, the early chapters feature Peter coming into conflict with Jewish authorities, and they are rebuking or confronting him because he is speaking and healing in Jesus' name. You know, and as we've visited and as we will think about what it was like for these early Jewish Christians to oppose the authorities, I think it's 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 hard for us to appreciate how difficult it was for Jews to accept this message. Jesus himself described the difficulty moving from the old wine of the old covenant to the new wine of the new covenant in Luke chapter 5. Listen to what he says. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For he says the old is better. What Jesus is pointing out is those who are used to old wine prefer it over new wine. And what that meant at the time, those who were used to a condemnation-based spiritual operating system preferred it to a non-condemnation-based one. They understood it. It made sense to them. Fear is a powerful motivator, both to motivate ourselves and to motivate others. And fear and judgment can produce change. The only problem is that the change they produce is skin deep and short lived. The change grace creates is heart deep and long lived, which is important because when God assesses us, he doesn't just look at our behaviors or actions. He determines our motives, why we're doing what we're doing. And um, the Jewish religious leadership, again, they would have a very difficult time perceiving a God who was not judging them. Uh, they were raised under the old covenant. Their judicial system was based on it. Again, Israel was a theocracy. And the law of God was the law of the land. The government was established upon the foundation of the law of Moses, the old covenant. When we left off last week, Peter and John were being warned by the Sanhedrin, Israel's Supreme Court at the time, to stop preaching and healing in Jesus' name. Let's pick up what happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had to say to them. 
When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. When Peter and John returned and reported what happened, all those who were gathered praying for their safe release, they, they gathered together and the text indicates they prayed with one voice. That doesn't mean that they all prayed together, but their hearts were so united that one person's voice of prayer going up, it, it resonated with everyone who was there. There was a powerful sense of unity that the early church experienced, these first Jewish Christians experienced. Those who rely on one another to survive forge a bond that is very strong and very powerful. Those who have served in the military will describe what it was like to serve alongside a, ba alongside a band of brothers. And in fact, the lack of this kind of connection when coming stateside can be devastatingly difficult to make, uh, to get used to. The Christians, the first century Jewish Christians had this kind of sense of connection. And these Christians banded together in prayer to God. Listen to what they prayed. Verse 24, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the king nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter, in speaking, declares a message. We've seen the elements in past speeches. What Peter identifies is that God is the one who is pushing the buttons and pulling the strings. The individuals who are functioning are doing what God's will determined beforehand should happen. It wasn't his purpose that Jesus would be accepted by the majority of Jews. It was his will that they would not accept it, but some would. And those who did accept, it was God's will that they would be dispersed into the Roman Empire so that Gentiles could hear and understand the word of God. It will be God's purpose in the future when the time of the Gentiles has come to a conclusion. At that point, God will open the eyes of Jews who are living. They will perceive what God has done through Christ, and at that point, we'll be able to embrace him. Again, God is the one who is determining and executing his plan of salvation. 
they understood this and they did not assume, though, that because God was pushing the buttons and pulling the strings, that God would give them a pleasurable, difficulty-free life. When they prayed to him, well, what they, they didn't ask for further deliverance. They asked for more boldness and further miraculous signs. They asked for more courage and more miracles, even though they understood that this would mean more persecution. Uh, and their prayer was answered by the shaking of the house. We don't know what happened, but it was a visible, audible experience. The house was shaken. It gave them a tangible sense of God's presence in response to their prayer. And their prayer was fulfilled at once. They were filled with the Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness, just as they had petitioned God. I remember in, I went to school at the University of Pennsylvania, and between my junior and senior year, I was coerced, not coerced. I was, uh, I decided that I was going to go to a summer beach project in Ocean City, New Jersey. I was affiliated with a group called Campus Crusade for Christ at the time. And what they did, they had a number of beach projects where you would go to this beachfront community and you would live in a communal setting with a bunch of other Christians from all over the country and you'd work a job. And then part of the um, the experience of the summer, there were Bible studies that you would be part of and there were opportunities where you would kind of walk the beach and talk to people about Christ, people you didn't know, just kind of walk up to them. So at any rate, I decided that I was going to go to one of these summer beach projects. And um, the thing that I remember looking back, it's amazing what you can do when there are others around that you are living with and closely connected with that sense of community that we experienced that summer was was tremendously um, impactful to me. And I was, I did things that I could never do on my own, walked up to people and talked to them in ways that just expressing, do you know about Christ? And my, I'm not an extrovert by nature, but being surrounded by individuals, it was a deep sense of community. It was life-changing, and it gave a, a deep sense of courage. Community does create courage. And I think that's what we see in the early church. The sense of community among the first Jewish Christians was tremendously powerful. Um, we find in Acts 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. It talked about the sense of sharing that the early church experienced. They shared their earthly possessions. It says no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. They shared everything they had. The picture is of not claiming one's rights 
and they really were able to say and act out what's mine is yours. Again, this is it's a mistake to see this as socialism or communism. It is not. The reason is it was voluntary. It wasn't mandated. It wasn't coerced. It wasn't legislated. It was free and spontaneous and heartfelt. And that is not what communism is. It's not what socialism is. Their sharing was wholly voluntary. They believed that they were the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Divine power coursed through them that brought healing. Their enthusiasm was contagious. They felt like world changers. And that sense of destiny, that sense of legacy, allowed them to be very generous with their things. They understood that they had greater and lasting possessions, heavenly ones, and allowed them to share their earthly possessions freely and voluntarily. You know, you think back on an experience like this, what it would have been like to live at a time like this. It would have been nice to experience that power and that reality. You know, as we look, though, and understand the trajectory of the early church, unfortunately, even those who experienced these powerful times, they will later on in their life look back longingly on these early days. A couple decades later, it will be a different picture. Some will be wearing down and defecting back into Judaism. Famine and persecution ended up hitting these early Jewish Christians. They had to leave their homeland and forsake the livelihood and the neighborhood that they grew up in. The writer of the, the, writer of the book of Hebrews will have to remind them about these early days. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 11, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be rich, richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. It was difficult for them to continue to exist in the Roman Empire where they, they really didn't have their best life now. And as the years progressed, it became harder and harder to see others moving ahead, having things that they wanted, and they still are not experiencing the kind of things that inclusion in the synagogue would allow. And the writer says, you remember what it was like at first? It might be difficult, but hang in there, persevere. When you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And for us, it's I think we could understand it's hard to keep on walking with Christ. It's challenging to keep on walking with Christ 
when the sunny days are behind us and the stormy days are either here or we see the clouds massing and we see the difficulty in the future. I guess if I, if there's a word, if it's a sunny day, enjoy it. If it's a stormy day and there are stormy circumstances, don't assume you've done anything wrong. That seems to be the way it is. God leads his children through challenging times. It might be helpful as we close to bear in mind something C.S. Lewis wrote about prayer. Here's what he said. I dare not leave out the hard saying, C.S. Lewis writes, which I once heard from an experienced Christian. And this is what the experienced Christian said. I have seen many striking answers to prayer and more than one that I thought miraculous. But they usually come at the beginning, before conversion, or soon afterwards. As the Christian life proceeds, they tend to be rarer. The refusals, too, are not only more frequent, they become more unmistakable, more emphatic. Meanwhile, he writes, little people like you and me, if our prayers are sometimes granted beyond all hope and probability, had better not draw hasty conclusions to our own advantage. If we were stronger, we might be less tenderly treated. If we were braver, we might be sent with far less help to defend far more desperate posts in the great battle. Let me pray for us. Father, we look back on the early church and it wasn't, it didn't remain the kind of environment, miraculous fireworks environment that they experienced in the beginning. It became difficult. We may have experienced some of the sense of the power, but it doesn't seem to last. That doesn't, it's not a mistake. You want us to live by faith, not by sight. And if we are experiencing sunny days, you give them to us, miraculous days, and you would have us understand your power. But if we live in darker times, it doesn't mean that you've left us. There is an intimacy that comes when we walk with you through difficult times. And will you help us to hold on to the reality of our hurt and pain, not to, not to pretend, help us to, to grip the hurt, but grip the hope as well. You make promises to us, promises like to those who love you, all things work together for good to those who are called according to your purpose. Promises like he who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How will he not also along with him freely give us all things? If we are going through difficult times, it's not because you're holding out. You don't hold out. If you were holding out, you wouldn't have sent your son. Help us to trust you in both the sunny and the difficult time in Jesus' name. Amen.